Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Filled with odd fright, see Jurassic right, bathe in ember light, see Jurassic right, see Jurassic right, 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 see Jurassic right, 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 see Jurassic right, 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 see Jurassic right, see Jurassic right, see Jurassic Park. Well, that the voice the voice you are hearing is Richard Kylie. No, um <laughs> the voice you're hearing is Lola Binkard. That's me. And writer, poet, um Dreamweaver. Dreamweaver. Eighties interior design, fashion. Nerd, oh my nerd, god. You know, all the things. Uh oh, I was gonna say, in the cult of Townsend. In the in the sisterhood of Townsend. Oh, sisterhood yes. and brotherhood of Townsend. Praise not Meg. <laughs> Praise nutmeg for the nutmeg is great. <laughs> All hail the nutmeg. All hail the nutmeg. Uh, we're here today. We're actually here. This is something I've, I've wanted to do for a while, and I think we were talking about the books, and I because mm-hmm. it's something. And weirdly, the pandemic has actually. There was a split second where I mean, I would have wanted to do this episode with you anyway, but there was a split second where I was like, "Oh no, am I too late to do this episode?" Because Jurassic World Dominion, the final. 
quote unquote final mm-hmm. Jurassic film was starting to film. And I was just like, because I mean, people will see in like the description of headline. I wanted to talk to you about like our favorite scenes from the books and right. books and, and specifically scenes from the book that have not been translated to the big screen because all Jurassic Park fans know or a lot of Jurassic Park fans know that. Like, you know, when you watch the original Jurassic Park and then you go back and read the book for the first time, you're like, what the hell? Like, like, the, <laughs> why are the, there diagrams? Yeah. Yeah. Why is there a bunch of weird spreadsheets with numbers? <laughs> but the thing that's really interesting, I think that it's for a series that has had five movies and two books, I would say the movies have only scratched about like. I don't know, a half a book in, in terms of like material that have been lifted to the big screen. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. Like half of half of the original Jurassic Park novel is not in anything. Yeah. And it or like the fact that they've taken so much from the original movie and ha- and it's literally made up material for Lost World, Jurassic Park 3. Jurassic World, even like all the woo stuff from Jurassic World is like straight from the original novel. Like there's even some Fallen Kingdom stuff that I noticed rereading Jurassic Park recently where Malcolm, you know how like Malcolm's this like witness or what, like whatever. That oh, is. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, or I guess it's like. I guess it's a thing that happens a lot, which I learned or is a thing that happens, which I learned from the Jurassic Park book, where like expert witnesses, scientists in their field are sometimes called to certain, you know, climate change things and this stuff and that. And it's like, oh, there's even a nod to the way that Malcolm is brought back into Fallen Kingdom in the original Jurassic Park book when Grant talks about how he would be called as an expert witness for things. And I was just like, wow, these books are so rich, like Michael Crichton stuffed in the, to the brim, even though they're like, you know, they're pretty like light thriller novels compared to like Lord oh, yeah, of the Rings or something. They're super fluffy, but also educational. Yeah. Oh, but, I can't even tell you if I if I lived in a world where Ian Malcolm was a celebrity scientist and I could bring him to my super dry trial, I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Would that hurt or help your case, though? Is my oh, question. that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I would depend if the person on, that I was representing also had like a cool leather jacket. Yeah. So it could be like, oh, they're cool. Yeah. Oh, then my client must be cool, too. I, I really think that's that's what would make all the difference. Yeah. But yeah, I was going to say before we dive into this topic, I actually wanted wanted to hear your Jurassic origin story uh, and share with the listeners your your how you got into Jurassic Park, your first time you saw it, anything like that. That oh man, was um, significant. I come to it kind of by uh, from two different directions. Um, as some people may know, I am a horror author. Um, I have a self published collection of horror stories. I'm just very into kind of shocking thrilling stories um but when i was a child i was terrified of everything i was scared of every single thing in the world but i lived in utah which is where a lot of fossils are from so i i had a very healthy love of dinosaurs and i first became aware of jurassic park when the first posters went up at the movie theater and it was love at first sight i just saw this poster and i i was like i have to go see that 
And uh, my mother <laughs> turned to me and said, uh, you have nightmares watching Rainbow Bright. I'm not taking you <laughs> to see Jurassic Park. And I was like, no, 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 I got to see Jurassic Park. And I think it was out for a few weeks where I was still like every day, just like Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park. And she uh, finally was like, I'm going to take you. But if you get scared and we have to leave, like, that's it. And I was like, no, I can do it. I can do it. And I think the first time I saw it, I saw maybe 10 minutes of it. And I was watching through my hands. Oh. But I like held it together and my mom would be like, you doing OK? And I'd be like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like sweating, <laughs> sweating. My leg is shaking. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm having a great time. I love, I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> and then I saw it many, many, many more times. Was absolutely obsessed. Yeah. And I and um, kind of went down the same rabbit hole that everyone else did of um uh, I say I, I started that sentence and I realized that it's not true. I had a crush on Sam Neill from a very young age, which I love. I love that. it You know, because most people it's I've um, you know, Sarah, I are my Percasco host. We talked uh, on her episode of See Jurassic Right about how she's like, no, Sam Neill is is the more attractive one than Jeff. So Goldblum. hot. He's so hot. <laughs> I had a, a when I first like it, it, I mean, it, it was a crush that kind of held on for a while. When I got to seventh grade, I had a photo of Sam Neill as Alan Grant in my locker. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> I wish you had a picture of that. that would be I amazing. know. I know. I, I would I would kill to still have that. Wait, have you seen have you seen Sam Neill on the piano with like the mutton chops and everything? No. Oh, my I God. I haven't. That's because that's also in 1993. So it was filmed around the same time as Jurassic Park, released the same year, also nominated for Oscars the same year. Delightful. Great, great Jane Campion movie. He is so he because he's got these mutton chops and he's kind of like a more lonely, sad man. Sam Neill's just great at playing like kind of kind of lonely, sad characters. You know? Oh, like a, like in his uh, hunt for the wilder people category of just like slightly lost older yes. gentleman. Yes. Yeah. He's more weaselly, though, I would say. Mm. Well, it's funny. I mean, it's interesting to me because it feels like the narrative can like the narrative kind of on this is that Ian Malcolm oozing swagger. Like I recently did. Uh, a, Oops, a my shirt fell off. Here yeah. I am. Yeah, I recently did a Jurassic watch along and I realized that there is some moments like now that I have like I got a nicer TV this year and like I'm like, wait, he's wearing like a big giant like like he's wearing like a huge necklace and like oh with his gosh. open shirt. <laughs> and like he has a, a tattoo like it's crazy. Oh, my gosh. Which I never noticed before. I've never noticed that. Whereas like people have said that kind of Grant is more of like the stick in the mud. But maybe that's why I didn't notice it. I was too busy like waiting for for Dr. Alan Grant to notice things in a sensitive way. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that was interesting. I'm fe I'm feeling like more people now are kind of coming out of the woodwork and being like, no, actually it was Sam Neill and Alan Grant who had this kind of like, he was a more sensitive observant, you know, he kind of have a, had a calm collected like sexiness to him. Absolutely. He's, he was the crush for the confident women in the Ooh. room that didn't need a flashy Ian Malcolm strutting around. <laughs> I love that so much. Um, yeah, no, I had so I had a, a huge crush on Alan Grant. I saw um, Jurassic Park. I learned the theme song on the piano. It was the last Whoa. thing I ever learned on the piano. And then I immediately forgot it because I stopped taking lessons because that was my only goal. <laughs> was to learn the Jurassic Park theme song. Yeah, that's right. Um, oh, yeah. And then it. Um, uh, I think for me, the reason that Jurassic Park really like locked onto my life 
uh, once I hit middle school was the fact that I had a best friend whose dad was a robotics engineer. Wow. And his company, which was based at the University of Utah, actually designed and installed the dinosaurs for the Jurassic Park ride. Oh, wow. That's yeah. really cool. And the T-Rex was always broken and he was always in a bad mood about it. <laughs> I mean, I think if it's always getting wet, I feel like that's, a, yeah. that's like a that's like the worst play. But I mean, they make it work. But yeah, you know, it's I mean, that was always the thing with those rides is that half the time you'd go on it, half the dinosaurs were like broken, you know, it was like <laughs> so majestic. It's like, yeah. Like, I feel like that you've seen that melodica Jurassic Park. Movie. Oh, oh, I watch it whenever I'm having a bad day. <laughs> I feel like it, that's the like Jurassic Park. Right? <laughs> Sometimes you're going to get the, you know, you're going to get the full experience. And then other times it's the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And see, so I get to have like the flip side of that, where every time I'm on the ride and something isn't working, I think of my friend and I go, oh, her dad would be so pissed right now. Oh, that's really funny. Uh, he would come home like if he came through through the door and he was like why are you kids always in here watching tv get out of here we'd be like oh the t-rex is broken again oh no oh my gosh wow that's <laughs> wild yeah wow that's really yeah. funny and then it, it i ended up having this crazy full circle experience um i was this character at halloween horror nights um and my maze say, that i worked sorry, in sorry did you say character yes the term for the the monster performers at halloween horror nights is character <laughs> Wow, I'm speechless right now. Clearly, that's insider information. I I was not aware. Um, well, I mean, you know, I I worked at Disneyland, so I just were just cast members. You know? Oh, fair. Uh, but yeah, I was in the um Insidious maze, and it was in where the Jurassic Park queue was. So oh, okay. I huh. I worked. I was like working there, right next to the ride that my friend's dad helped like put together, and it was just like a really crazy full circle moment for me and i think that kind of whole experience has made jurassic park just a call always in my life yeah wow that's really cool <laughs> i mean we could go forever in a day of course about the movies and stuff i just want to get your quick rundown of your thoughts on the movies and then let's dive into the books but so jurassic park iconic classic obviously love it i guess is there i mean that's the one you're rewatching all the time i'm assuming oh of course of course all right. Lost World. I love Lost World. I, I'm one of those people, especially when I was younger, where if there's a character that is very obviously like the self insert character for my age range, mm -hmm. I lock onto it right away. So you were a big Kelly fan. Loved Kelly. Going back and watching that movie, I feel like it, it's that thing where, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's as an, as an adult now, I really what she goes through is like so insane and so it's like <laughs> the fact that she comes out swinging is like she, really cool she comes out swinging and she literally takes out a velociraptor with gymnastics yes she's she's one of the only characters in the jurassic franchise that has like straight up like murdered a dinosaur <laughs> yeah she's great uh i still get chills when i think of the sequence with the tall grass when they run into the grass and then you see all the grass Getting trampled on the sides as the raptors go into the tall grass. Don't go into the long grass. Oh, I love it. JP3? <laughs> I saw it for Sam Neill. Uh, did you see it in theaters? I did. I did see it in theaters. Um, I think it was the first time that I was aware that um, CGI budgets could be different <laughs> in a franchise. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. A hundred percent. Where I was like, oh, it's not. It's oh, it can be it can be less less good. I see. It's so funny. I 
because I saw I was it was the summer before freshman year of high school when JP3 came out for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I was disappointed. Like, I don't think I was disappointed. Like, to me, Jurassic Park was such a classic already that it's I think even at that age, I was like, well, this is just going to be more of what I like. But it, I think because I had already gone through the sort of weirdness of the Phantom Menace. Right. I, I don't think like the year before or two years before. I feel like JP3, it's like. It clearly wasn't aiming to be Jurassic Park, so there was no there was no disappointment. I think, honestly, like, and I don't know if I was disappointed with Phantom Menace either, but just kind of seeing the the sort of mm-hmm. chaos in even like even in amongst like 10, 10 and twelve year olds, like ten and 10, you know, even amongst the preteens, like everyone was like F Jar Jar Binks or whatever. <laughs> like, I feel like the only time I've been really disappointed with like a movie of a franchise is Rise of Sky, like the Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> honestly. But so for me, I don't like, but I don't know if that's because I was like 14. I, mm-hmm. I feel like because uh, I know you were you were just like a smidge older than me and yeah. probably a lot like a lot more aware of like what is good and bad. Well, and stuff like you that. say that, uh, but it's funny you bring up Phantom Menace because I, Stephen, I saw that movie 11 times in the theater. Oh my! God. I'm not even kidding. Yes. I, I loved I, I not, like 50% of that movie I loved. 50% I was like, this drags a little, but I didn't consider it bad at all. I thought it was pretty great. Well, also, you have an appreciation for, I feel like, beautiful costumes and things oh, yeah. like that. And I feel like Phantom Menace, I mean, to be honest, and it's probably the age that we're at, Phantom Menace is the best prequel. It's the one that holds up the best. It's the one that still feels like a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. It has all the ingredients. It's Natalie Portman's best performance in that trilogy. Kira Knightley's great in it. Yes, yeah, Kira Knightley. Uh, you know, you've got Liam Neeson. Oh, like, uh, I had a crush on him too. Yeah, I, I had a type. <laughs> oh my god, you're right. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, like it's 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 nostalgia is a weird thing, but I yeah I think with JP3, I mm-hmm. I personally. I don't think the disappointment of JP3 to Jurassic Park, I don't think is as great for some for other franchises for some people. Right. I uh, uh, I was I, I was really hyped. Um, I at the time I already was really aware of um, who Taya Leone was because she was uh, I can't remember if she was married to David Duchovny at the time. I think or, they were. Uh, but I was a huge X-Files fan. So I was like, oh, I know who she is. And that's great. <laughs> um, and they got. I don't want to jump the gun, but also they they brought in one of the things I loved from the Jurassic Park novel to Jurassic Park three. So I was pretty ha- hyped about oh, that. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, as far as like incorporating a lot of leftover stuff from from Jurassic Park, JP three does have a fair amount of that, which we'll get into. Yeah. Um, but and then what about Jurassic World? I mean, it's a 13, 14 year uh, gap between uh, JP three and, and Jurassic I... World. Love Jurassic World. <laughs> Ooh, okay, okay. I love all of the Jurassic World movies. I I have such a good time watching them. They make me so happy. It feels like going to Disneyland by watching a movie. Oh, totally. Yeah. I, I mean, have I think, Yeah. Oh, you I, go. Oh, I was just gonna say I feel like the strength of Jurassic World is that is I mean, I recently rediscovered some some more of my childhood fan fiction in a box. Mm-hmm. And it's just that idea of like as kids, we in growing up, what do we want to see more than anything? And it's an open Jurassic Park. Yes. And Jurassic World delivers. Yes. I think it was um, equal parts seeing an open Jurassic Park and also um, seeing 
as you know, as I said, I worked at, at Universal Studios, like ha- having the experience of what it would be like to be an employee at yes. Jurassic Park was so satisfying to me, uh, specifically the moment when um, everything starts to go wrong and the one ride operator pulls out the handbook <laughs> because I. Oh, if you've worked in a theme park, like, you know, that moment when you're like, oh, I'm the authority here. What, uh, yeah, what uh, am I supposed to do? I am I just started here. It's funny. We were just talking off podcast before, but the mm-hmm. Lego, the Lego series. I mean, yes. it, it is like Parks and Rec. It's like or like if, if a Parks and Rec type show took place at a theme park, like it is the daily ins and outs. There's like a thing where like Owen has to do like a training, like a training show to like make sure <gasps> kids don't like touch the fences or like get too close to the fences. And it's like, oh, like I'm Danger Dan and like. It like the writers of the Lego show, like I totally just just kind of get because I think I mean, and it, as of this recording, I, I feel like there is there's still it might be delayed a little bit just because of the because of all this uh, pandemic stuff. But like, mm-hmm. you know, the there's going to be a Netflix Jurassic TV series that also kind of takes place during Jurassic World because it's like that time is just so I think for people like us where it's like we you know, lived theme parks life. And it's like, yeah, that's such an exciting place. Yeah, absolutely. It's that it's that um, kind of like uh, local jokes for local crowds. Yes. Kind of a thing of like if you're from if you live in Southern California, you've probably worked at a theme park and you're like, I want content tailored to my lifestyle. Yeah, except with dinosaurs (laughs) and also dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, And then Fallen Kingdom. I I loved it. Um, so I have I have this thing um, that started when uh, Jurassic World came out, where just through a, a turn of events that happened in my life, uh, my best friend was not available. My best friend Kelby couldn't go see Jurassic World with me. And uh, Kelby's husband, Sam, who is also my dear, dear friend, was available. So Sam went to see it with me and it sort of evolved into this joke uh, where only Sam and I are allowed to go see dinosaur movies and Kelby's not invited. Oh, my God. So it's become sort of a running joke that as soon as they announce a Jurassic World movie, we just start texting each other and then heckling Kelby about how Kelby's not invited. (laughs) And then we go see it. So I saw uh, I saw Fallen Kingdom with Sam, as per usual. Um, (laughs) And then I I ended up crying so much. I've never cried more. In a Jurassic Park movie. I mean, that's my thing with Fallen Kingdom. Like, I know it's a little bit more sort of stylized than the other Jurassic Park movies, but I would argue JP3, like you throw in some Benny Hill music and some like, like, you know, JP3 works very well and that would work very well in that kind of cartoony way. Yes. I think, but I think there's so many more, um, there's so much emotion Like Jurassic Fallen Kingdom, like wears its heart on its sleeve, you know? Oh, yeah. I I think at one point I was like, Fallen Kingdom is Jurassic World's goth older sister, you know, (laughs) who's just like listening to New Order and like quietly crying and smoking a cigarette at the same time. Yes. Yes. uh, I mean, there's going to be a chase scene, but also Evanescence is playing. Yes. Wake me. Oh, my God. Has somebody (laughs) remember when people used to do YouTube like music video edit things? Yes. Somebody needs to do that with Fallen Kingdom. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, like blue cries, like she sheds a tear, like there's so much Mm. more like open hearted kind of like 
sadness and whimsy in Fallen Kingdom that oh, like, absolutely that works for me. So then, if, if you're gonna like rank them, what's your what's your? I mean, rankings change all the time. Currently, of Jurassic course. World is sitting on the bottom of my list, which is insane mm-hmm. because at one point it was my second favorite Jurassic oh, movie. Fascinating. So you know, I, I'm all over the place. I'm switching my rankings all the time. But for you right now. What are, what, what's your kind of first instinct? Oof. Um, actually, just as a result of revisiting the novels and remembering things about the movies, uh, right now, my top one is Lost World. Ooh. Uh, I realized that I really love all of the T-Rex sequences in Lost World a lot. For people who are especially grew up with the those first two movies, I think you could make up. I, I, I definitely think there's an argument to be made about to about lost world being number one yeah i'd say number one for me lost world uh second is original jurassic park third place would probably be fallen kingdom nice you know uh, me fallen kingdom is my second favorite jurassic i'm right get it fallen kingdom. get it get your evanescence dinosaurs i feel you <laughs> um i see uh yeah my least favorite is jurassic park 3 so i guess jurassic world would be my second to last I love it. I love that. Can I tell you the the thing I love that Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom have done that I didn't know I wanted and I'm so happy I have it is evil Henry Wu. Yes. I well, it warms <laughs> my heart in a way like my anime heart was like, oh, <laughs> oh, you're a charismatic villain now. <laughs> I love a, I love a good charismatic villain. I love that he marathons sound expensive you know it's like it's not a it's not a sprint mr mills it's a marathon and you know it's like what i'm creating is art you know it's like that yes. stuff it's just like how can you not love that like i just want to stand up and cheer during that stuff oh i want a whole movie that's just monologues from henry Wu. yeah about what he does yeah oh a hundred percent i mean <laughs> Yeah, that's it, his King Lear. It's just well, Henry Wu talking. Well, and if we could date ourselves a little bit, mm-hmm. I mean, we don't know much about Dominion yet. We obviously know Dr. Wu's going to be back. Right. Edie Wong's going to return. Swoon. OK, I still maintain to this day that the best way to read Jurassic World is as a young adult novel adaptation about Blue, who is the young adult protagonist. Ooh, I love that. All of the tropes fall into place so perfectly if you think of blue as being the main character oh my gosh that'll be that would be a really fun rewatch and to see her journey throughout you know because she is the main character i mean truly absolutely um ugh. all right well we could go on for that forever, but i want to <laughs> i want to get to the books when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, 
You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So did you read, so just for a refresher for listeners, I actually read the Lost World book first. Oh. Weirdly enough. Um, And then my dad... uh, uh, sharpied out all the swear words. No way. <laughs> yes. And I still have that copy somewhere. But yeah, I read Lost World first when I was like, what? Well, I kinda, thank you I, for not giving me that version when you dropped oh, yeah, it yeah. off at my house. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's true, too. Another good point is I dropped off another version of the Lost World. I have like a couple, like I have a, I now have like a few copies of both books, but, um, you were yeah. saying, yeah, yeah. Like I, dro- I dropped it off at your place. We practiced safe social distancing. I had a like a, I, I used a cat toy thing to like throw it your way. Indeed, we both stood very far apart. <laughs> it was like a sad carnival game. I was just grabbing for a book. Yeah, just like trying not to get too close. Someone but, um, jogging was very confused. Yeah, exactly. They had to like dodge the Lost World novel. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I read the Lost World novel first, and then I went back and read Jurassic Park. What what was your experience? Like, did you had you already seen Jurassic Park and Lost World before you read the books, or did you read them as they came out? I, um, as I said, I uh, didn't know about Jurassic Park until uh, I saw the movie poster go up. But I was also one of those kids who uh, had a really advanced reading level at an a very young age, and I was a home. I was like a latchkey kid where I was home by myself a lot. And I lived near a library. So anytime I would hear about an adult movie, I would just go to the library and get the book. Ooh, you wanted to read it before. Yeah, yeah. So I I didn't get all the way through before, uh, but I read enough to sort of prepare myself. Oh, wow. I don't I don't think there's that many people I've talked to who've read the book before the movie. Yeah. Cause there the was original that, movie. Yeah, it was. I had that like like several week period where I was like, mom, 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 I want to go. And she was like, no. And I was like, all right, I'm going to read the book a little bit more and then check back tomorrow. (laughs) Well, so wait, so but but you were young enough that you weren't like, oh, the book is better than the movie. No, no, I was uh, I I I loved movies as a kid. I, I was scared of a lot of movies, but I also had no concept of a bad movie in any way, shape or form. Well, to me, I when why I I mean, personally, why I'm missing going to the movie theaters, I just feel like. There's something very powerful about being in a movie theater. Oh, yeah. I think like at home, you're like, stupid movie. I could just mute you right now and and look at something on my phone. You know, that, like that didn't look real. I'm going to rewind it and watch yeah, it again. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm just going to switch over and put on, you know, something else like but in a movie theater. It's like, oh, you can't change the movie. You can't stop the movie right you're now. You're in like, it. You're in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I started the book and then I got to go see the movie and then I went back and I finished the book. Uh, And then I didn't get around to Lost World until I heard the movie was coming out. And then I read that book, too. Wow. Oh, that's cool. That's so cool. Oh, my gosh. Well, then. So for people who and and we're going to just start going into book spoilers from here on out. But right. If you haven't read the books, I mean, you know, the the, I mean, especially the Lost World book, I definitely don't think is as well regarded. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I personally don't think it's I mean. It's definitely very different from the movie. Oh, it's were you, were very you different. Really, were you really surprised by that when you saw it as a kid? Oh, absolutely. It uh, the it seemed like uh, the first two thirds of the book are not in the movie at all, and the movie is the last third of the book. 
<laughs> kind of. Yeah. Like all yeah. the actions in the very, very end. Yeah. I mean, ju- yeah. Just again, if you're not familiar with the, the books at all, it's it's the same idea in the sense that it is a there's a second island. It's where they originally made the dinosaurs before shipping them off to Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. And there is a group of like good guys and bad guys, hunters, gatherers. And they're all cool scientists. <laughs> yes. And and essentially that's kind of it. And there's some loose sort of things, you know, there's mm-hmm. that there's these physical trailer vehicles that get attacked. There's a high hide, but it's very different mm-hmm. in the book. Extremely. There's, a, there's um, what's it called? There's a family Rex unit, which I think. So it's almost like Spielberg kind of took these like visual kind of visual images mm-hmm. from the Lost World book. Yeah, not it to feels be, very different. Yeah, not to be not to disparage the book in any way, but it kind of felt like Spielberg took what worked in the book and was like, I'll shine this up. Yes, exactly. No, no, totally. Yeah. I mean, it, it's. Because, again, the book is just a lot more. I just think Michael Crichton, it was his first time writing a sequel. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think he really knew what to do. <laughs> I He spent quite a bit of time. I I had forgotten how delightfully unaware of how teenagers talk Michael Crichton is. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I was laughing. I was giggling like a fool every time he described what these two. Because you don't have the two kids. Yeah. It, well, so you, you have, have two new kids. Yeah, yeah. And they are saying things that teenagers do not say. Well, they're I mean, but they're also supposed to be like super geniuses. Yeah. You know, but I will say again to like Fallen Kingdom's credit again, I'm, I'm ride or die for it. Mm-hmm. I truly think the relationship between Daniela Pineda's character and Justice Smith's character. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know why I pronounced that weird. Justice Smith's character. I think he took a little bit from I think. Uh, Colin and Jay Bayona and Derek Connolly, I think they took a little bit from Arby and Kelly from the Lost World book. This kind of like, they're not siblings, but they kind of, uh, Kelly is kind of like the protective, like, oh, I can beat up my younger brother, but you can't. Exactly. Because Arby was the like, you know, they put, you know, they put it in the novel. It's like he's this really smart black kid who's like totally out of place amongst all these white people in his school. Mm -hmm. And he's like so much more advanced. Like he's going to go to college when he's like 15. Yeah. He's in like high school at age 11 and he's wearing like khakis to school. His parents are really smart and they both have jobs. So they're never home. Yeah. I think I think they took a little bit of I don't think they took Arby and Kelly's characters, but I think they took a little bit of that like friendly like i'm gonna i'm gonna mess with you but like i'm also gonna protect you vibe that i think um zia and uh zia and franklin have in fallen kingdom i think there was a little bit of that template for them yeah i can see Um, that i like it but yeah i mean yeah the lost world novel is just a lot more contemplative i mean honestly again as far as like ooh, i i'll I'll, i'm gonna run this by you before we're jumping more stuff go on Uh, i was trying to remember all my chris's so there's a character in Lost World that's not in the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his name? Levi- Richard Levine. Richard. Oh, Richard yeah. Levine. And so he Levine. Yeah, he's. I, like, I think it's Levine because I feel like every time, like, isn't Adam Levine in Maroon Five? Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's spelled the same way. But also, Ted. I guess Ted Levine is also. Oh yeah. But so he's kind of Ooh, like that guy. He's like the he's like the annoying version of Malcolm where he's like mm-hmm. this young 
playboy rich kid it's, who loves to go exploring. Yeah. Would you say would you say that for Lost World that they sort of moved Malcolm into the Alan Grant role and then yes. slotted Levine into the Ian Malcolm role? Yes, I because I think it was like because Malcolm in the book is always annoyed with Levine. Mm-hmm. Like he's always annoyed with him. Yeah, I mean his character. Yeah, that character wasn't really translated at all into the movie. No, but if if it were being made now, I could totally see Chris Pine being really good <gasps> at that character, right? Oh, I love it. Like right, like being that kind of annoyed, kind of playboy kind of character that is like, you know, because Malcolm is used to being the smartest guy in the room, mm-hmm. and, and Richard Levine is like, no, but I'm smarter. Oh. And and that was what made, to be honest, like just as not what scenes we would want to see in feature Jurassic movies nonwithstanding. Mm-hmm. Like to me, the Lost World novel is actually really good when they're, it's, they're not on the island. I love yeah. all the pre stuff before the island. I think it's like because it's this thing of like people trying to hound Malcolm into being like, no, but the dinosaurs are real. And like Malcolm's yeah. just like, la la, I'm not listening. <laughs> He's like, like, I signed a really strong NDA. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was on vacation. Yeah. And it's like this kind of mystery that something has survived, which mm-hmm. they, you know, translated into the movie. But like, you know, I I, I mean, maybe this will be a good spree, you know, and the Jurassic Park original Jurassic Park novel is basically the same, but it's just kind of plays out in a longer way. But I would mm-hmm. say the Jurassic Park novel. I mean, would you say that it, it basically plays out the same yeah, I'd say it plays out the same. Like um, the individual characters are different in a lot of ways, but the bones of it, <laughs> bones, dinosaur bones. That's <laughs> yes. not. I'm, I'm gonna take credit for that one. Mm, 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 uh, mm. The bones of it are there in a way that in Lost World it's much more lifted and finessed. Yeah, I mean thematically, I maybe it's the idea of like kind of survival and like I feel like Spielberg Spielbergized it you know he's Mm -hmm. like makes it about it's about family and like you know (laughs) and like about how broken families can come together and stuff which is great too but I I don't think that was anywhere near Malcolm or um, Malcolm anywhere near Crichton's mind no not at all but this this actually brings me to one of my favorite scenes because again it's like in the Jurassic Park novel we have like the aviary stuff as you you were hinting at earlier that was that was brought to life in Jurassic Park 3. And in the original Jurassic Park, you have this scene of the compies on the beach with the little girl that was yes. lift, that was lifted and brought into Lost Worlds opening. They are my favorite dinosaur. Uh, the compies are your favorite yes. dinosaur? Oh, yes. Good. I love little, it. Little garbage monsters. I love them. <laughs> uh, little garbage monsters. I mean, how great was that scene in Fallen Kingdom where it's like the toy and then it comes to life? Ugh. It was so good. I also there's a line not to jump right into it. But I really somebody's line when they see copies in the Lost World book is what is this a salamander convention? Oh, I and totally I was like, because they're just little lizards and then they uh, are a problem. Yeah. Well, and then the books, too, they're poisonous. Yeah. Yeah. Eat, suck it, Hammond. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, you were saying. Uh, oh, oh, I was going to say. So this brings me into a scene that I. Uh, I think they almost had put in the Lost World movie. There's a great Jurassic scholar guy who keeps track of all this stuff. But in the Lost World, again, it's this idea. It's not quite like E.T. cover up sort of situation, but essentially anim- like mysterious carcasses have been washing up on the shores of like South America and Central America. It's mm-hmm. this very like evocative vibe of like. There are dinosaurs out there. Maybe they're on the mainland that they don't really because once they get to the island of dinosaurs, there's your dinosaurs. But yeah, like 
it was that I think it's Richard Levine where he like goes to this beach and there's like a bloated carcass of like a parasaurolophus or something. Yes. And then all of a sudden, like E.T. style, all these government agents come in with flamethrowers. Yes. That scene to me is just so evocative and so cool that I think they could retrofit it to, to work in something like Dominion or a future Jurassic thing where it's just the idea of like these kind of mysteries lingering out in the wild like i oh, think absolutely you could, i think you could retrofit it to somehow or like maybe the dinosaurs are spreading further than they thought or something because mm-hmm. you know with every adaptation and especially jurassic lifting all these different things from from the books and making them work in different contexts sometimes 20 years later i right. mean the idea of taking like Wu's bitterness at not being appreciated by Hammond and translating it to being like 20 years later and the new guy, Miss Ronnie, who like thinks he knows better. But it's like, no, I was there at the original Jurassic Park, man. And like that kind of way of adapting it was like, yeah. like and now I'm going to take over the world. <laughs> yes, exactly. But yeah, so for me, that scene in the beginning of Lost World is like a scene I would love to see on the big screen. That would be incredible. I was very yeah it's it's a great visual yeah what would what's a what's a, an example for you that you would want to see i the entire concept of richard levine in general i think i would like to see show up um and i'm i i can get into it a little bit more later but the fact that um the reason this scientist has the money to go to this beach and find this dinosaur do you remember this no i don't uh, his he's uh, the heir to a family fortune and it's a very loosely disguised American girl doll fortune. Oh my god, I do remember this. <laughs> they're in the. I wrote it down somewhere. They're called the. It's called the, like the Americana dolls. Oh, I thought they. Or is there something about Becky dolls or something? Yes, yes. It's um I, the knowledge that I have from being like a a girl in the nineties is I'm like I can pinpoint exactly what dolls he's talking about because that's when there were only three dolls in the American Girl doll line. Yeah, in the early nineties. Yeah. yeah. So he describes the Americana dolls and there's three of them and uh, that family money is why he's a scientist. Yeah. Um, I, I loved that. I mean, I think you could could bring that character into the fold in a world where dinosaurs are across the world. You have these people who are like, I'm rich. I'm bored. I've got nothing better to do. Like, mm-hmm. I could totally see that people taking up the cause like a guy like that. Yeah, Absolutely. I think and I think, again, I still think you could get Chris Pine to be that character. You know, I when I read the book, I actively disliked him. And then as soon as you mentioned Chris Pine for it, he instantly became one of my favorite characters in this theoretical movie. (laughs) Well, I think it's that thing that's the annoying part about it is that, again, it's somebody where like in order to annoy a character like Malcolm, they have to be smarter, better looking and even more charming. And so I feel like right. I, I mean, honestly, I could see. You know, if they make more Jurassic movies, I could see you bringing that character into the fold, have Chris Pine play him. And I think it would still work playing opposite Jeff Goldblum. Oh, absolutely. Because I think like Jeff Goldblum is still good looking, still attractive, still charming. But like, but I can see why it'd be like, well, obviously, Chris Pine is even more attractive and more charming, you know, and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. And then a a wild pine appears. Yes. (laughs) Where are my pine nuts at? (laughs) That's what I... I think Karen said that one time is that's what like Chris Pine fans are <laughs> Pine nuts. Pine nuts. Um uh, No, I love that. I think I think in a world where dinosaurs are spreading across the world, I definitely think you could see a character like Richard Levine like being relevant mm-hmm. again to oh, the story. He would have a YouTube channel. 
Yes. Oh my God. What's up, guys? Just out here exploring Isla Sorna. It's like the other island they said had dinosaurs. Nobody talks about it anymore for some reason. Anyway, I came here alone with one other guy. I'm sure it's going to be fine. Smash that (laughs) like button if you want me to come home safe. Uh, Actually, that was the perfect transition because my next scene that I think that to me, it's the most evocative. It's the best scene from the Lost World novel for me, mm-hmm. because throughout the Lost World novel, Richard Levine is kind of like the Sarah Harding character. She comes, you know, mm-hmm. how he comes early and then it's like Malcolm has to basically like save his ass. There's like a thread of like basically people getting snatched up by dinosaurs and nobody knows what's happening. Mm-hmm. And the the tennis court scene at the end of the novel. Oh, yes. It's the, it's we finally saw the dinosaurs in Fallen Kingdom. They didn't have the camouflage feature, mm-hmm. but basically it's it's the tennis court camouflage scene with two Carnotauruses stalking the the crew. Like everybody's mm-hmm. trying to escape the island. That to me as a kid, like I would just dream of that scene at night. Like yes, and and it's kind of a bummer that the Indominus Rex like took the camouflage element mm-hmm. just for that one moment in Jurassic world. And obviously, I mean, as far as we know, the Carnotaurus in the film world don't camouflage, but I, I still think you could just figure out, I, I think maybe another company is making Carnotaurus and they now can camouflage or I think so. Just, but like that scene of, Oh, chills in uh, the way RB figured it out and he would like switch the lights on and off. And oh, it, like, and it I, takes them a minute to readjust. Yeah. 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 Oh, so yeah. yeah, that to me is it's my favorite scene from the book. And I, I don't know if there's I mean, you can always find a way to adapt all this shit. But like, of course, you know, it's just to me, that was a scene, one of my favorite scenes from the books. And, you know, it has never been has never been adapted. So I just think it would be so cool to somehow see that. In yeah, absolutely. Form. It's it's a good horror moment to be sure. Oh yeah, bring it back to its roots. You know, I'm surprised they didn't do something like that with the uh, Indoraptor. Like oh, if, it yeah. es- if it had escaped out into the wild or something. Like mm-hmm. there's a, there's like a couple of like, uh, you know, like just like cooling down after a game of tennis at night. You just know, just having like a sexy picnic. Like oh, we let's just open this bottle of wine next to our tennis court. That we have in our gated community. Ha ha ha. And you see the rustling, you know, and yes. like the moving on. the Like, oh, come on. It's like, wait, it, Freddy Krueger is the one that haunts your dreams, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Freddy Krueger, but a dinosaur. Yeah. That's what they should call the movie. <laughs> Freddy Krueger, but a dinosaur. A dinosaur. <laughs> that's a ju- Jurassic World. Freddy Krueger, but with a dinosaur. <laughs> it's perfect. Uh, what's another scene that you would want to see? Um, I mean, kind of a perfect segue discussing horror movies. Um, the scene in Lost World where, uh, Sarah Harding gets on the boat with Dodgson. Yeah. And the bad scientists, because she thinks they're friends of Malcolm. Uh, yeah, she, she tells the man, uh, that no one knows where she is. And then he throws her overboard into the ocean. I can taste the seawater thinking about this scene. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a great scene to bring up too, because I think Fallen Kingdom had had a pure moment of kind of like human villainy where, you know, Mills fucking suffocates um, uh, Lockwood. Yes. You know, and I think... To me, it's like Mills was like the Ted Bundy of like corporate Jurassic, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, or of like the like non I don't know if he was non he was managing Lockwood's finances, whatever. But like, you know, he always had a smile on his face. And then when nobody and then it's like he broke character and was like yelling at Macy and then he had to like recompose himself. Like, so creepy, like totally sociopathic psychopath mm-hmm. behavior. 
And yeah, I mean, it's, I think too, you could take this moment because again, we live in a, you know, now in dominion world, like everybody, you know, dinosaurs are everywhere and you could see people like rival dinosaur companies and things like that. And it's like, yeah, you could totally see that happening to somebody where it's like, oh, we're on the same side. We're all like working with dinosaurs, but then like, you know, and then you're really not. And then you're, and then you're thrown off a boat. And then you just get hucked off the side of a boat. (laughs) I mean, I know people, to me, it's this like balance with Jurassic. It's like, how much, how much do you want the dinosaurs to be the monsters or how much do you want the people to be the monsters? You know? And I think, I think the movies have had a hard time trying to figure out what it wants to do with that. Mm -hmm. But I, I, yeah, I'm on, I'm leaning more towards you. I mean, I do like that, you know, I, I do like a good Indominus. I do like a good Indoraptor, but I like it when the humans, you know, are, Mm -hmm. are villainous as well. You know, they don't need to, they don't need to be, I mean, you know, they're fun when they're cackling and maniacal, but you know, I, I think it's business is business, baby. You know, like, I think that's a big part of Crichton. You know, that's a big part of his preoccupation. If anybody's watched Westworld, I mean, that's basically all what it's about is that kind of human villainy for like business is business kind of sake. Exactly. I, I think bringing that into the fold, into the movies, I think that makes sense. And again, because Colin Trevorrow has talked a lot about uh, and Emily Carmichael, the two screenwriters, uh, you know, Colin's directing Dominion, every, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But like, you know, this idea of like now there are, you know, if Wu was the PC of the Jurassic of the, you know, if if Wu was like the PC of dinos- making dinosaurs, well, now you've got Mac out there. Now you've got Linux because, you know, at the end of Fallen Kingdom, you know, people are hauling away dinosaurs and DNA, you know, to right. to God knows where. So. I would love, you know, you could, I could totally see that happening. Totally. I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, I, I have, um, I have a really bizarre personal fascination with the purge franchise for exactly this reason, Ooh. which is like seeing how people can be there for each other or turn on each other. Yeah. Uh, and I think fallen kingdom did a really good job of kind of layering that like the purge or like hunger games level of like societal inequality, over an environment where some people have access to dinosaurs and you're like oh that dinosaur didn't do anything wrong why is he in the middle of this yeah no no you you eat people that's fine that's fine (laughs) you're just doing your thing they brought you here yeah i i I think i'm i'm leaning more towards that as well of you know we don't need a big i don't and i don't think we're going to as far as the way at least the way that they've hinted i mean who knows a lot of PR speak can mean nothing when it comes to actually finally making the movie, but it seems like there is there might not be like a central big bad dinosaur, which mm-hmm. I mean, that makes sense. The original Jurassic and Lost World, like, yes, they had the T-Rexes and Raptors, but it wasn't like they were hunting the characters throughout. Well, I guess the T-Rexes were still following. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I mean, going back to my of. own thing, but yeah. <laughs> But they like it, it's only just because there was nothing else to chase, really. Yeah, that's true. They're stuck on an island. I like how I'm like cutting the T Rex some slack. Like now, now, Steven. Yeah, yeah. That poor guy. Yeah, he was just trying to teach his baby how to eat. Um, <laughs> well, I'm trying to think of which thing I want to go to next. I guess this will tie into it when we're speaking of human villains. So, spoilers, but the Henry Wu dies mm-hmm. in the original Jurassic Park novel. Yes, I was. Very shocked rereading that. I had completely forgotten that happens. And well, I, I just recently, again, part of that Jurassic Watch log, 
I kind of what's cool about the book, the Dresswork book, is that when the power goes out mm-hmm. in in the book, you get to see everyone's kind of adventures at night as not only as people are figuring out that the power's out. It's not just like our heroes that are stuck on the island. There's mm-hmm. In the book, I think there's like at least like 20 or 30 oh, people. On there the- are gardeners. Yeah, yeah. Gardeners. There's like maintenance people, like uh, <laughs> scientists, like Wu, Harding, Ray Arnold, like all of them are still not, or I guess Hard, Hard, um Not Harding. Yeah, no, Harding's in the, Harding's, or with, you know, in the movie when they're like, you know, last call for the doc, everyone, mm. uh, when Sam Jackson's telling everyone to leave mm-hmm. in the book, so many more people are on the island when oh, the yeah. shit goes down. And I love like in the book that you kind of get to see not only the people discover what happens when the power is out, but also the dinosaurs being like, oh, I'm not getting shocked when I touch this cage. And so anyway, that all leads to you get to see all these different side stories of, you know, mm-hmm. outside of the main narrative of you know, Lex and, and Tim and Grant and then like Hammond and Malcolm and Ellie and Muldoon or whatever. And so, and again, oh, you know what? I'm going to put this together mm-hmm. with, I, I'm going to, this is going to be two moments because they happen at the same time, basically cool. in, the, in the book is Wu's death. Right. Combined with Ellie Sattler jumping in a pool to avoid the Raptors. Oh, I forgot about the pool. So, so in the book, you get to go to the hotel, the Jurassic Hotel. With the skylights that have bars on them. Yes. And so it's I think it's Jerry Harding, who is the veterinarian. Mm-hmm. And then Henry Wu and Ellie Sattler are all at the hotel for some reason, like mm-hmm. just kind of getting their shit together before they're all going to try and like leave, you know, on the helicopter or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so they discover the raptors have hunted them down to the hotel. And it's like this weird kind of like thing where like somebody goes up to the roof is like, oh, shit, the raptors appear, closes the door. But then Wu like opens up his like patio door and it's like, hey, Ellie. And then and then like, the <laughs> raptors like take him down. Yeah. And then Ellie like jumps in the pool to like escape the raptors. It's just like. I love those kind of moments of like simultaneity and like mm-hmm. how it's like pure chaos where it's like nobody knows what's going on. It's like very disaster movie, too, which yes. I think is in the spirit of Jurassic. Yeah. There's also there's a really similar thing because um, Hammond also dies. Yes. In the first book. Spoiler alert world. Yeah. Uh, and there are they talk about how there are gardeners nearby doing something else. Just like walking around that like don't even know half of this stuff has happened, which I think is very relatable right now in the pandemic times when there's people doing the responsible thing of like staying indoors. And then there's random people that are like, what? What are you talking about? What's the big deal? It's like, no, like he gets people are dying. He gets mad. He gets mad and he goes for a walk. Yeah. So, yeah, that that to me, there's a lot of. You know, because the movie just kind of has to focus on the main characters that kind of just has to focus on the main story. But I think especially the end of the Jurassic Park novel, I think there's Mm -hmm. so many good moments that aren't used. But I think Wu's death especially. Yes. I mean, we last leave him off in Fallen Kingdom. He's actually pissed off at the other villains because they basically sold his prized poodle mm-hmm. you know away before it was ready and so i think that's going to have big ramifications from where we see woo and dominion and i think i mean i'm going to speculate here but i think blue is going to be the one to take down oh woo. you think but, that's going to be it 
Well, but my question to you is, do you think Wu is going to be redeemed? Do you think it's do you think he's going to have a change of heart at the end? Well, um, <laughs> I can tell you what I think is going to happen. I can tell you what I want to happen. I mean, I want to hear what you, I want to hear what you want, because I know it's going to be amazing and wild. Uh, I definitely want Wu to try to get redemption because I I watch a lot of anime and I love a troubled villain trying to turn his stuff around and not being able to do it and then realizing he has to sacrifice himself at the last minute. I think that's what's going to happen. I, I truly think that because I, I just feel like the way that they leave him in Fallen Kingdom, I just I don't think that they they like Kylo Ren him where it's like mm-hmm. he's conflicted at the end. I don't think. Yes. I don't think he fully transitioned into, you know, I think if he had transitioned, he would have transitioned into full villainly villainry if he had killed Blue or like one of the mm-hmm. humans or something. I feel like they he hasn't quite done enough yet to me to like make him irredeemable. Yeah, I hope he gets a really tragic redemption. Yeah, like maybe he saves Blue doing something, but then Blue just eats him anyway. Yeah. Or or another dinosaur tries to eat him. I don't know. Yeah, or he has to to, uh, run off and be the bait so everyone else can get to safety, including his precious Blue. Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh. Our young adult protagonist to get to safety. I really, yeah, it's like aliens, you know, it's like, you always were an asshole, Gorman. I was you know? just thinking that. Oh, you like, read my yeah. mind. Oh, yeah, we're on the same page about this. Yes. But, yeah, specifics aside, because I don't think anything about Wu's death in the book, other than him dying at the hands of a velociraptor, maybe, mm-hmm. could be rejiggered for whatever story they're doing, you know, in the movies. But I think the concept of him dying, I think... I, th- I think I think it, I think that's going to happen for sure, though. Yeah. I think he's going to die no matter what, but I don't know. How. Or or he's he's about to do something very brave and Blue shows up and is going to eat him. But they have a moment and then ah. Blue moves on. So Henry Wu can have the big moment. Yes. So he can do the right thing. Yes. Like it's it's like the idea of like ooh, if a cat or a dog judges you of good character, it's like you're worthy. Exactly. I love this. Uh, I have. I, I love have, him so much. Look, it's BD Wong. You know, he's so charming. Uh, so yeah, I have two left. But what about you? This is your third, right? You have another. I mean, I'm not ranking these in any order or anything. To be yeah, honest, yeah, I've been, I've kind of tapped gently on some of mine. Um, <laughs> oh, um, one of my major ones, which I think came up the first time, like six months ago, when we first started talking about doing this episode, uh, was the Raptors on the boat. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Incredible. No one's used that in anything yet. No. And I think I mean, yeah, even if it's not this idea of like, ooh, the Raptors are escaping to the mainland. Mm -hmm. But I do think they could play this angle differently because supposedly right now, Blue is the last Velociraptor. Right. So maybe the idea that people like you could have it be the opening of Dominion of like, people are on a boat and they spot raptors and it's like wait like claire like gets a call you know because she's part of like the dinosaur task force or whatever Mm -hmm. and it's like hey there's raptor spotted and then like she looks at owen and it's like wait but blue's the only raptor left and then that like kind of opens it up you know yes that's the way it's like you can take these images like the imagery that is so beautiful and cool and interesting and weird Mm -hmm. and then we can kind of figure a way to make it work for the movie that you know the, the stories that these filmmakers are trying to tell, they can they can pluck these things and make it work, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, and the fact that they're they're uh, just out in the world, it could even be like a cruise ship, like the Raptors could be on the side of a cruise ship. 
Oh yeah, and, and you're it's like, we like, gotta get we gotta get in touch with that boat so people don't go out on the decks on this cruise ship. Or it's about to get to the you know to the mainland and it's going to spread the dinosaurs even further. Yes, you know, like maybe they haven't reached Europe yet or something. You know, I I love that. I love that. I just had the thought of like Blue wearing a little beret. Oh, that was that's just to me the cutest idea. Having a little baguette. <laughs> oh. A baguette filled with meat. It's just an arm. Oh, yeah. An arm and a baguette. It's an arm baguette. (laughs) Uh, I love that. Yeah, I really... Dinosaurs on boats, man. We've been kind of... I mean, we were robbed of that opportunity in the lost world, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, I did... You know what, though? One of the most... I don't know that it necessarily makes a lot of sense, but I, I still remember like the feeling that came over me in the theater the first time I watched Lost World and the T-Rex you know in Lost World when they go to the dock and there's the there's like everyone on the ship is dead and the 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 deck the door to the hold of the ship is closed and somebody hits the button to open it before anyone can stop them and that T-Rex just like launches out of it so crazy oh that was so exciting (laughs) yeah no it's any I mean again I feel like Dominion has so many opportunities to or any future Jurassic thing, I think the filmmakers have been wrestling with this notion because even Michael Crichton with The Lost World had to basically force awakens the dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Dinosaurs, they're a myth. You know? like, <laughs> yeah. Like, um, like it's this idea of and why Jurassic Park, it's like so hard to beat the original movie because nobody can kind of they want to replicate that idea of somebody seeing a dinosaur for the first time again. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with the dinosaurs on the mainland and stuff, I think you have the opportunity to use a lot of these scenes because you're having people now who've never experienced dinosaurs. And I feel like, yeah, it's just trying to recapture that moment. Yeah. Like finding the moment of like the first time that somebody is in their backyard in you know, Nebraska and a a T-Rex walks through. Like, what does that look like? Yeah. How would you react? Yeah. And all that kind of stuff. If you're just like hanging out at your house and a stegosaurus is just in you know, the yard next door. What is that for you? Yeah. I saw that. I saw something about this on TV. Somebody did a crazy TikTok where they went up to the Stegosaurus and got impaled. <laughs> there has hey to guys, be. What's up? I'm out here hanging by this Stego. What up? What up, Spiky? You know, what up, Some, Spiky boy? Somebody sets a boomerang to like a T-Rex to like a a, a a cool new song. And everyone's doing like the T-Rex dance on TikTok. Oh, yeah. Got those little tiny arms. Got tiny those arm. little tiny arms. Tiny we, arms. We would thrive basically in yes. this time. Yeah. Well, I was also saying, too, it's like there, Joe Exotic would have definitely. Oh, would have had five little baby T-Rexes. Yeah. Horrible. Uh, but on that same note of not Joe Exotic, but of raptors mm-hmm. in general, mm-hmm. uh, I see you want raptors on boats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's there's been raptors on planes. Yes. We're finally going to get raptors on boats, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, with your scene that you wanted to see. Heck yes. Well, I want underground raptors. Oh! From the original Jurassic Park novel. Yes! Because an element of the book plot that they didn't bring over to the movie, mm-hmm. because, you know, they kind of set up the idea, yes, the dinosaurs are breeding, life uh, found a way. Mm-hmm. But in the book... Uh, Basically, Grant is like, no, we actually have to count 
and find every nest and everything. We have to make sure dinosaurs didn't escape. And then Mm -hmm. that leads to the scene at the end of the movie or at the end of the book. I mean, that's such a beautiful, it's like where they actually see the raptors playing on the boat as it's like taking off. Yes. And so, but to me, the idea of like, because Gennaro lives in the book as well. Mm -hmm. And so it's like Ellie Sattler getting sick. He's like, listen, you piece of shit, like lawyer, (laughs) suburban, like neglectful of your kids. You get down there and you count the raptors. Like you have to do it. (laughs) Well, and also it's like that idea of like being underground. And it also that's the stuff where like Fallen Kingdom, like, again, the volcano stuff has been in the original book, Mm -hmm. was in the original book where it's like this is a geothermal power. It's also in the Lost World book as well. Yes, that was really cool. I did notice I was like, oh, but there's okay. there it is. Yeah. And but the idea of like them being in this like sulfury, smoky underground with night vision goggles, seeing nest of velociraptors. Again, very aliens. Very. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, but it's just like that imagery has never been because it's funny when when Fallen Kingdom, like when, you know, just starting to follow the news and all the filming and stuff, they go into an underground bunker and they see the baryonyx and the lava and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I remember before any of that, like just hearing about them filming an underground bunker and all that. I was like, oh, God, we're going to see underground raptors in this movie. And we didn't. But yeah, but I, I've actually been to that bunker. Really? Uh, in the movie. Yeah, it's they filmed it at Kualoa Ranch. That's cool. Ju- just the outside of the bunker, not the inside part where uh, Bryce Ellis Howard and Justice Smith were. But. Yeah, but like, I mean, I like the scene we got, but again, mm-hmm. that, again, that leaves more like how cool was like the baryonics, like in the flashes of lava and the light underground. Yes. It's like you could have that, but with also with night vision. Oh, you know? And you have to go down there and count dinosaurs yeah. near their eggs, which they will protect. Yeah. So to me, again, that's yeah, I feel like the common theme is like, you know, it's just these types of types of imagery that we just haven't seen in the films before. Mm-hmm. And it's not really the details that quite matter, but more like, well, I guess for, I mean, one of yours was like also a concept or character, which I think is mm-hmm. really cool. I, I mostly, mostly stuck more with like imagery and mm-hmm. ideas rather than, but I love, yeah, I love all your choices so far. I would die to see any of those on the big screen. Um, Yeah. Oh, uh, speaking of, um, if I may, speaking of scenes that I, I wish we had had, um, that I feel like could still be used now. Um, uh, Sarah Harding in Lost World in the novel, um, when she goes to get that Jeep and has a fight over getting the Jeep from Dodgson. Wait, is that the, where she gets kicked out from underneath the or like or she kicks him out from yes. underneath the Jeep? Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Where yeah. She drops down onto the top of it, gets it open. He comes out of nowhere, tries to get in. And then the T-Rex shows up, so she climbs under, and he tries to climb under, and she just, like, shoves him out really slowly. Well, it's, yeah, it's such a, I mean, it's the, I mean, it's the revenge moment for the, Mm -hmm. from the other scene that you, you brought up. Exactly. Don't push people off boats if you don't want them to (laughs) feed you to a T-Rex. They sort of touched on it a little bit, I think, with having, like, Owen under the Jeep in Jurassic World. Oh, good point. I think that was a slight nod to that, I think, a little bit, but. I think the idea of like two people fighting to and I think even I would say maybe even Fallen Kingdom touched on it a little bit, too, with the elevator sequence. Yes. Where, where uh, Toby Jones's character, uh, Gunner Eversall. That's such a that's such an anime character name. Gunner Eversall. <laughs> it's 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 either an anime character or a Hunger Games character. <laughs> yes. Like where he shoves that woman 
you know, because yes. they're, they're trying to hide. So I think that they've they've touched on the idea of like hiding under a Jeep and touched on mm-hmm. characters fighting for a space against dinosaurs. But I think what's different about your moment is that I love that Sarah Harding gets that revenge mm-hmm. and almost that comic idea of like kicking him out. And then it's like, oh, I'm not protected. And I'm looking up at a T-Rex. Yes. Yes. And they just describe that she does it so slowly and like so cold bloodedly where she just like hangs onto something with her arms and just like, pushes with her feet and is just like i'm i'm making you make all the noise (laughs) oh and you know i would almost say that they touch on it as well too with like mills hiding under the truck at the end of fong kingdom as well Uh, true before the dinosaurs kick over the thing so but again it's like but again that just speaks to like how much jurassic park from the books like they these moments like find their like the uh, the dna of these moments <laughs> did you just find their way into the movies in these kind of smart and subtle ways which is really cool but yeah it's like i mean i think i think dominion is prime for human villains and for these kind of moments to oh happen. yeah so that that to me is really exciting and it's such a good moment i mean this isn't part of my list but i'll just mention it really quickly mm-hmm. because you know you know who the first badass riding a motorcycle was in the jurassic universe it was sarah harding it was sarah harding and i don't know if there's any use for this type of scene in movies but i do like the imagery of kelly sitting on the back of a motorcycle with Sarah Harding driving and Kelly having to shoot trank darts at raptors in a field. Yes. Because they have to get the keys back from the high high. To let Arby out of the cage. Yeah. And so I I think in the world of Jurassic, we could use another motorcycle sequence. Um, But I think, but the, uh, I recently posted it, but like from the Lost World novel where, because Kelly is always, as her way of surviving, because she's a smart teenage girl in this world of like boys and math and stuff. Right. You know, like, and she's always feeling like, she, you know, that world is always making to make her feel unwanted and not mm-hmm. as good. And I love when in the book, when she's telling Kelly, like, or no, Kelly is like being like, oh, whatever. It's not a big deal and stuff. And Sarah Harding just like looks at her, like holds her firm. And it's like. All your life, people are going to want to take accomplishments away from you. Don't do it yourself. Ugh. And I'm like, God, if there's ever a thing we needed to hear right now. Yes. And I, I wrote mean, that down in my notes, too, Stephen. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I just want to, like, print this out for my house. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I mean. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know where I could see that in a Jurassic movie. But like, that's just I recently reread that for myself. And I was just like, wow, that's like one of the more beautiful or poetic things that Michael Crichton has ever written. It yes. feels very weirdly personal in a way that he normally isn't. Yes. And having I'm, a having a female character say that to another female character in a way that's like all about like we are just as accomplished as everyone else here and not in like a cringy like girl power way, just in yeah. a like hold on to what you have and like fight for what you deserve. Yeah. No, I mean I mean, and it's interesting to me, I mean, as much as I love the Lost World movie, it's interesting that, you know, because Spielberg like changed it. So Lex was older and into computers for the Jurassic movie. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that, I mean, Kelly and, and Sarah don't really, I mean, they're like together and there's some great moments before the adventure really starts. But yeah. it's like, I almost wanted more of that from the Lost World movie. I would have liked to see her be a little more sciency. Yeah. Well, and even more, 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's Lost World is a. I mean, I love it, but it's also mm-hmm. like it's, a, you know, it's it's very of its time. Well, I think it's Lost World and the Fallen Kingdom. It's that thing of like you want more of the beginning of the movie, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, same thing with, you know, same with Fallen Kingdom. You want more of the island time, but island time <laughs> drinking margaritas. <laughs> but um, but yeah, like, yeah, I, I mean, I'm down to see more motorcycles with dinosaurs. I'm down to see, you know. Uh, you know, to, I mean, maybe it's different in the movie because Kelly is Malcolm's daughter and there's like mm-hmm. they, maybe they didn't want to lean too much into like Sarah Harding being like stepmom vibes or something like that. But like, yeah, so maybe that kind of got all muddled. But the way their relationship, Sarah and Kelly's relationship in the book is like a girl who like looks up to this like, oh, it's her scientist. mentor. Yeah, I I wonder. I mean, what if that's Macy and Ellie Sattler? In the next <gasps> I would love that. I just got like chills thinking about that. And like, I almost want to like weep because like the idea of like Macy looking up to like Laura Dirt, like to me, to Ellie Sattler, like Ugh. that would make me so happy. I, Ugh. I want that. I want that so much. <laughs> Screw my last one. That's my last one. <laughs> I'm throwing out all my notes. I want that now. Actually, you know what? That is going to be my last moment because my last moment before this was I just wanted to sh- have Grant throw some poisoned egg that at some raptors. Oh, I did love those poison that poison eggs bit. And they were glow in the dark. Yes. That was that, fun. That doesn't feel as like important as That would be a little ha- silly. <laughs> That doesn't feel as important as like a really beautiful relationship mm-hmm. between like Macy and Ellie Sattler as transposed from the Sarah and Kelly relationship from the Lost World book. That feels more, you know, meaningful. But I mean, again, this idea of like, like, you know, Michael Crichton, I feel like isn't seen for being like silly, but like mm-hmm. this imagery of like Grant, Lex and Tim sneaking around in the dark with and poisoned then, eggs. Yeah. With like Grant, like inserting poison in a syringe, like like <laughs> inserting these syringes into these eggs where he's like rolling these like glowing bowling ball eggs and then raptors like, like biting oh. them. And then the raptor like bites it and they're just like, like spasms out and dies. It's oh, like, a free egg. Don't mind if I do chop. <laughs> yeah, it's very like Land Before Time sequel-y yes. kind of funny. But yeah, that, I don't know. That's, uh, whatever. That's, <laughs> I, they I, can all be great. They can all be good. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, What about you? What is, what's, what are any, I mean, it doesn't have to be one, but if there's any mm. other moments that come to mind. Um, I uh really enjoyed how much, um, I mean, we talked a little bit about how uh, Richard Levine or Levine of the American Girl Doll Fortune <laughs> uh, is like the new, like young, annoying hotshot. Uh, but I really like how um, Ian Malcolm shifts over for a huge portion of action while Sarah Harding is just kicking all kinds of ass, uh, just as like an injured damsel. Mm. Like it's very cute. I think it's he- very wholesome. Where he's like on morphine and saying yes. like Daisy or no, something about like Dixie or something yeah. like that. He's like, he's like, everything's going to be fine. Oh, no, the trailer's falling. Sarah, save me. And she has to like climb with him in her arms. Oh, you're right. Oh, my God. I totally. It's, it's very awkward. beautiful. I love it when a man is the damsel. Oh, yeah. We need. God, how I mean, I feel like the relationship between Claire and Owen has been really kind of evolving in a direction that I really like where I feel like Owen Grady in the first one was like a weird incel, like mm-hmm. kind of thing of like just talking over Claire all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there were shadows of, I mean, my favorite 
Owen Claire line in Jurassic World. It's like, he's like, look, I know you like, I know that you have a, like, you're responsible for a lot out here. Like I, I appreciated that moment in Jurassic World. And then I like in Fallen Kingdom, how he's basically just the like silent protector. Like I'll do whatever Claire wants me to do. And mm-hmm. he'll just kind of shut up and just listen to her and like be there for her and her needs. Yes. Um, I mean, Omar always said that like Claire and Owen's relationship is very like Harlequin romance novel where like, mm-hmm. oh, absolutely. The, Claire is the nerdy girl who got the, the hunk, you know, yeah, the rude hunk. <laughs> but I really love this. I really love the evolution of that. If, yeah, it's like in this next one, something happens to and, and that would feel like very appropriate if like something is happening to Blue, something is happening to Owen. And then it's like up to Claire and like the original trio to kind of like. But I think Claire especially to kind of like step up and really be the hero. Absolutely. And, and then it makes sense because it truly is, you know, Claire's. Claire has like the biggest arc across these movies. So I feel like that would all kind of tie into it together. Yeah, I agree. I, I honestly, I would love to see Chris Pratt have a damsel moment in this next one. Yeah. Like he, he's, he's like falling or yeah. he's about to chomp down on him. I mean, my favorite moment, one of my favorite moments in Fallen Kingdom is like when Owen and Macy are about to get chomped by the Indoraptor. And then you hear Claire go, <gasps> like this like loud guttural like yell as she's like banging on this piece of metal with a gun in the rain it's so good like i i love bryce dallas howard because i feel like she brings a lot to this character and that normally other people would be afraid to do like Mm -hmm. giving claire like a really ugly laugh and like and things like that where it's like she's not just kind of i mean it's fine if she's you know i mean obviously the heels and feminine and stuff but i feel like Bryce really like plays the line with like what you think would be acceptable of a female protagonist. Oh, absolutely. I think she does a really good job of being like a kind of a girly girl, but she's a girly girl who works in like a jungle full of dinosaurs environment. (laughs) So she's not afraid to get her hands dirty. Yeah. It's fun. No, I would like in the fact that like, I love the idea too of like her having to like carry his like, Yes. Fucking, um, you know, out of commission ass, you know. Oh my god. There's um there's uh a, a, a K drama that I love. I love Korean dramas, but there's one where the main character is a girl uh who has super strength and she starts working as the bodyguard for this um CEO and there's a point where he gets hit with a tranquilizer dart and she has to carry him to safety and it's like a <laughs> full on bodyguard moment. Oh my god. I want to great. see that. But in Jurassic World. Yeah, I totally think that I could totally see that. Ha- I mean, I can see it like I can see mm-hmm. it right now happening like I or like I can see it in my mind's eye or what. <laughs> I'm glad we did this. And again, there was that brief moment where I was afraid we were too late to do this. Yeah. But currently, I mean, Dominion only shot a week before they had to stop filming due to the pandemic. Oof. Um. So, you know, Colin, Emily, if you're listening. You got you, time. You read the. You read the books. You could throw this stuff in. You can you can slide into our DMs. It's yeah. fine. And look, I, I just want to be an extra in the movie and get eaten <laughs> by a dinosaur. That's all I'm asking. That's the dream. That's just the dream. Be, yeah, David Kep got eaten by the T-Rex in San Diego. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a fun sequence. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, this has been amazing. I think we got... I think... I mean, is there any other moments that you can think of? I, it's funny. There's it's not from any Jurassic Park book 
but we've never seen a T-Rex versus a Triceratops like old school dinosaur, oh, King Kong. You like, know, uh, isn't Fantasia. there one of the did the Disney ride? Uh, there might be. I think I, I was going to say all Fantasia, the Disney fans fa- are going to tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> Fantasia is, is a stegosaurus and a T Rex, but I feel uh, like it's always been sort of in museums and stuff like T Rex versus Tri- uh, T Rex versus Triceratops, and we've never seen that in a movie. So that I'm just would sort be of pretty like, neat. But is there any other moments from the book that you can think of, or or? Um, no, I think we got. Um, I think we got everything. Like, uh, I made a whole bunch of stuff, uh, and then we just fit it all in in conversation. Um, oh, I had one thing that made me laugh, and it's just very much of the moment. Uh, I I really liked there was a moment where um, somebody heard a dinosaur sound, and it sounded like a goose, and it made me laugh because I thought of that um, that game that everyone played. Oh, yeah, Untitled Goose Game. <laughs> and then I just pictured that goose on the island <laughs> just <laughs> wreaking havoc and stealing things that people needed to get away from dinosaurs. Yeah, it's not even, it's like, look, you know, dinosaurs or birds are dinosaurs for a reason, man. That goose yeah. is a shady character. It's, it's in its own cage with extra bars. They're like, don't open that one. And then they do, <laughs> that, and it's the goose. It's the most dangerous dinosaur of them all. <laughs> it's that terrible goose. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't really think of, I mean, there's plenty of stuff, but like uh, Muldoon hiding in the construction pipes from the raptors. Like, oh, that yeah, cool. that's right. Uh, we technically got it already, um, which was Muldoon has like the rocket launcher and like Gennaro's like nervously trying to like hand him the, the you know, we but we got the rocket launcher part. Rest in peace, Charlie. Um, my favorite, my favorite of the Raptor squad. R.I.P. Uh, Charlie. R.I.P. Charlie. But uh, one thing that I thought was really interesting, like. Because, you know, what's so what's so interesting about Dominion is that. Laura Dern, Sam Neill. And uh, obviously, Jeff Goldblum was here for Fallen Kingdom, but Mm -hmm. supposedly these three are all back in a much bigger capacity. I think even in an interview recently, Sam Neill said like he's training and going to be running again from dinosaurs. So it's not like, you know, Malcolm's role in Fallen Kingdom where he's just in this courtroom. But for me, I'm like, is there anything from these books that you could sort of rejigger to sort of reintroduce these characters back into the fold? And the the interesting part about the original Jurassic Park novel was this whole idea of like Hammond being like a shady businessman. It felt very much like Westworld to me. Yes. And uh, he, he's uh, he's mad at his kids or his grandkids. He's like, they yeah. messed up my park. Yeah. It's like he like people are like, wait, why is Hammond buying this island? Why is he banned? Like, why is he buying all this amber? Why is he like acquiring all these expensive computers to like a random island in the middle of. Or, you know, the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And there was all this sort of like intrigue leading up to them going to Jurassic Park. And there was like a guy who worked for the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency that like, you know, and it's that cool imagery of like, or this like dork, like this dork in a suit and like like going to the desert, Montana. And he, like, I also just love it because he's just like he sees Ellie Sattler and he's like Christ because she's like wearing. She, <laughs> oh, she's in. Uh, she um uh is wearing cutoffs and she sexily drinks a beer, which I thought yeah, was very he, funny. She like tilts her head back to like yeah guzzle the beer. That's like oh Michael Crichton. Um, <laughs> we know what your type is, Michael Crichton. <laughs> your type is twenty three and has a PhD. Like that's his type. <laughs> I want a hot lady in khakis that's smarter than me. Yeah. So, but that whole, the character was Bob Morris. Speaking of Morris, um, 
just get me to play him. Um, there you go. Anyway, but yeah, it's like this idea of like, maybe there's somebody from this agency or like somebody's coming to ask Grant and Sattler, like, and it could be like Seven Samurai style, like recruiting. Ooh. And it's like asking them like, what's going on? Like, were you involved with this? And it's like, you know, it's finally their time to get back, to get back in the ring. I would love, uh, Love, 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 love. If somebody has to go uh, re-recruit Sam Neill and his character has started a vineyard and is raising goats and they film it at Sam Neill's actual vineyard. I would love that. Like, Alan Grant, you, you've you got all these far, farm animals. You've settled down. You have to come back and hunt dinosaurs. And he's like, no. And they and they, that's just how they explain how why Alan Grant just has a New Zealand accent. Yes. <laughs> has a Kiwi accent. It's like, well, he moved away to New Zealand and started a winery, so it's fine. Now you now you can just keep your regular accent, Sam. <laughs> just lean into it. He's there now. That's it's always funny for me watching Jurassic Park as an adult, and especially because I lived in New Zealand for a while and I'm 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 a Kiwi file. What what am I, there's no way around it i i love new it, zealand it and is Kiwi culture it is the most charming accent and they are the nicest people i've ever met yes but it's just like it's now rewatching jurassic park it's like i see when I, I love you sam i see when his accent slips out yeah he's like he's like i guess that means the power's off and it's like <laughs> whoa what the hell how did i not notice that as a kid <laughs> and it but it brings me joy because you know i don't know i Grant, you know, he we don't know what kind of lives he's lived. Mm -hmm. I if I survived getting attacked by a dinosaur, I would want to settle down somewhere and just enjoy all the wine. Yeah, I, I think it makes sense. Look, we we figured it out. We figured out this character arc and I can't wait to see it play out on the big screen. Yes, uh, I would like all of the also all of the wine bottles, like all of the names to be like very telling references to his past, like their clues. Uh, it's called Raptor Dreams. <laughs> There's like Raptor Dreams. There's like Treehouse Midnight. There's like Falling Jeep. They can open the door. <laughs> I've decided not. Uh, I've decided to endorse your wine. <laughs> um, well, Lola, this has been so much fun. It's been a long time coming. I'm so glad we finally did it. It's wonderful to talk to you, sir. Yes. This was super fun. Where can people follow you, find you, check out your your horror work, your, <laughs> you know, everything? Um, if you want to follow me on social media, I actually had to pull mine up because I recently started using them again to make sure I got my handles right. On Instagram, I'm Lola Binkard, L-O-L-A-B-I-N-K-E-R-D. On Twitter, I'm Lola Bink, L-O-L-A-B-I-N-K. Um, and if you would like to read my... Uh, Harris Diaries. Uh, they are on Amazon. It, if you look Lola Binkard, L-O-L-A-B-I-N-K-E-R-D, my collection is called The River God and Other Stories. Yes. Spooky Sweet. scary. All right, everybody check that out. All right, bye everybody. This was wonderful. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? 
elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.